Well, g'day, folks. Welcome to the Awaken Network podcast. I'm John Tyson, lead pastor of Church of the City in New York, and I'm joined by Chad Bohai, who is the lead pastor of Radiant Central Coast, and Sam Gibson, who leads Pray NYC in New York City. Thanks for joining us. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about prayer, revival, awakening, and what it looks like to seek God for another move of the Holy Spirit in our time. It's great to have you with us. Well, hey, friends, thank you so much for tuning in to this bonus Awaken Network podcast. Chad with John and Sam, we are just coming coming with a, a bonus episode because we just experienced a powerful time in the heart of New York City at the annual Altars Conference. And so we just got together and we're like, there's no way we're just going to blitz into a new year without pausing, reflecting, remembering, and just sharing some stories of some key takeaways, some themes and things that the Spirit was very clearly highlighting and ministering at the Altars Conference as God assembled people from all over the world to just uh, spend time in the throne room, just gazing on Jesus and hearing his voice and and uh, responding in kind. And so, fellas, let's just do that. Let's just kind of go back and forth here on this pod- podcast episode, and let's just share some highlights, some key themes, takeaways. And uh, so who wants to kick us off? Who wants to share some stories I'm, from yeah i'm happy to jump in one thing i i found really encouraging when you study uh revivals one of the patterns that you see is that god will often speak to people all over the place around the same theme same values same verses mm. same priorities um without them being aware of it this is very different than uh the modern church where we're all chasing mm. trends and chasing ministry models and all the rest of it um no God in the past would just put things on people's hearts to pray for, to contend for themes would emerge in prayer meetings and amongst leadership teams. And then after the revival, people would be like, wow, we thought we're the only ones pressing in for that. Mm. I was so encouraged by seeing that at altars, people uh, around the world who were coming together saying, Hey, we haven't, we haven't shared. We thought we're the only ones praying for this, or God's been putting these themes, these verses um, in our prayer rooms, we haven't shared these, and it's amazing to hear that mm. he's saying that to you too. So, definitely seems to be a sense where God is speaking to His church, putting these themes. Uh, you know, Jesus is constantly saying, "Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear." Yes. And it seems like the people who are tuning in are hearing the same message. I found that really, really encouraging. Mm. So, yeah, powerful. I would say really the exact same thing um, in a few ways. Really, the unity of you know, what God is doing in the church while at the same time amidst a group of very diverse types of churches. You know, mm-hmm. there's not like, you know, there's so many different streams of the church in the world, but, you know, we had Presbyterians, Baptists, Pentecostals, non-denominational, Reformed, you know, mega churches, house churches. I mean, it was just like the the mm-hmm. full, you know, felt like the full spread of, you know, what God is doing there. And you just felt this consistent theme and that was really beautiful. And I also really the thing that struck me throughout, you know, because I was kind of like behind the scenes planning it, running it. Sure. But probably I'd never before felt this sense, you know, when Duncan Campbell talks about the Hebrides, the Isle of Lewis, that revival that, you know, the whole island became God conscious. As I mm-hmm. felt that way, probably more than mm-hmm. I've ever felt it. Even year one was great. But this, the second year, it felt way less like, here's what you need to do. Here's your five steps. Here's like, there was a, mm-hmm. a not even an unhealthy way of like a me orientation to what do we need to do in our churches or in our context to build praying churches and to contend for this. And it felt like this year that Jesus was actually leading his church. You know, it was a mm-hmm. strong sense to me of 
just the fear of the Lord and that this is what Jesus is doing. You know, Pastor John's talk was, you know, talking about Revelation 2, you know, returning to first love and Jesus being wanting to be back in the middle of his church. Dr. Ireland talking about waiting to receive a promise for God, like from him mm. before you just like generically assume, you know, what he's going to do. Yes. The Cord Russell was speaking about Isaiah 6, like seeing the Lord once again high and lifted up, you know, and I feel like that was just such a marking moment for us. Dr. Marlinda Ireland hit us with the like being weak in prayer, but still holding fast. You know, I think that's something that I see derail mm -hmm. prayer cultures all the time is when we feel mm -hmm. weak, just not really still laying a hold of him. Mm -hmm. Luke Fever came in and we just, you know, the fear of the Lord really struck the room. Yes. Um, in a way that was really challenging and um, really beautiful public repentance. And then obviously Cord just like closes out with uh, Hosea 10, 12 and just preaching one of those powerful words I've heard, but it just felt like that this thing to me. incredible. Like, it really was. But yeah, it just, there was this God consciousness to the whole thing, you know, like from someone who was planning it, we had to scrap our plan multiple times because like, oh, this was happening. Um, I even mm -hmm. felt challenged because I felt like after Luke Lefevre's talk, Jesus was coming into like, the Holy Spirit was coming into the room in such a way that we were unfamiliar with receiving. The mm -hmm. fear of the Lord, conviction of sin, and just realize I don't think we, myself included, the Western church knows how to sit in that. You know, travail is just being released in the room. And it's like, that feels uncomfortable if you've ever been a part of it. Yes. And yes. it's like, we're like looking for relief in the love of God. But it's like, no, I'm coming to administer like the weight of my word right now. Yes, yeah, mm -hmm. so I just felt like this overall theme of just God consciousness that he's just like, man, Jesus is really doing this. We are watching, you know, the fulfillment of the prophecy in the book, prophecy in the book of Malachi, that from the mm -hmm. rising of the sun to his setting, a pure offering and incense to be offered in his name for he's a great king and he's going to be feared among the nations. It just mm -hmm. feels like Jesus is trying to take the field and leadership of his church, which is a beautiful thing. That's so powerful, man, just to interact with some of the, the things you've said and John as well. My big takeaway, so obviously it was world-class teaching. Everyone is so gifted and anointed, and each session had, I mean, I'm weeping under Dr. Ireland when he said, there, there is a realm of prayer where when there's not a direct promise to draw from, sometimes it's because the Lord wants to give you the desire of your heart. And I'm like a puddle on the front row because I, I've tried to live a delight yourself in the Lord lifestyle with varying degrees of <laughs> purity and consistency. But since I was 16 for almost 25, 24 years, and when he said that, it really did unlock something. And even something like running with you guys here with the Awaken Network, I started drawing on some threads of desires that were planted that have been prayed and sought after for decades. And then because I'm not one to necessarily stop and smell the roses. I'm getting better at it. And my four kids are forcing me because they're growing up too fast. I need to enjoy more moments. But what, what a powerful thing just from, from that session, especially when you just talked about. Pay attention to those promptings and desires. God put them in there. And uh, mm -hmm. so that was a real cool, cool takeaway. Obviously, Corey Russell's last talk, his little two-minute expose on tears, tongues, and travail. <laughs> when he had a little... Expo, I know those of you who listen to Awaken Network, we're very aware and we're blessed that it's we're, we're reaching different uh, theological streams and what have you. But if we ever make those talks live, his his because uh, I didn't grow up in a in a Pentecostal environment at all, but his few minute talk on the gift of tongues and praying in tongues was just it. In my opinion, so it electrified good. the whole room like a shockwave went through the room, especially when he said. You know, for those who knock against praying in tongues or the gift of tongues or whatever, uh, 
Yeah, how about the cherubim who say the same thing over and over? And when he said that, it was like just a weightiness. And at one point, John, I, I know we've been in a lot of gatherings and services together. You stood up and just said, "Woo!" There was a moment where I'm like, "What's John doing? This is so fun." Because there was I just wanna, weight. There was I weight. wanted to stand the whole time. I wanted to I stand the whole time and point to the audience and. Do you guys no. not hear? And then before, and what was before beautiful, we keep going. No, 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 please. I'll just say what was that. beautiful too about this for me. You know, I mentioned this about like, you know, how many different streams of churches were represented. Yes. I had a guy come up to me on Sunday morning and, uh, you know, at the, I think after the 9 a.m. service, he said, Hey, I just want you to know I'm the senior pastor of a fully cessationist church. And this has been the best weekend of our life. And it's just like, you know, God is doing something in that space when it's not like, you know, this not even believing and speaking in tongues or anything like this. Right. Yet, yes. It's just like, man, Jesus was ministering to us even in the midst of this. It wasn't causing. It was like, oh, he was there was a tangible sense that he is here. He is near. Amen. What is what is uh, I think a very important distinctive we need to get out there. A lot of times when people talk about revival, you don't know what they're talking about. Yes. They're talking about signs and wonders. They talk about good meetings. Are they talking about a sense of the manifest presence of God. What are they talking about? And what I loved about what happened is there was manifestations. I mean, if you came in at 1 PM and the aisles are filled with people on their face, weeping, sobbing, and shaking, mm -hmm. you would have thought, Oh my gosh, am I at a, um, you know, signs and wonders, glory 24 event. You wouldn't have known that you just heard uh, an invitation to repent of any and all known sin. Yes. So the thing I want to say is we've got no interest in manifestations for the manifestations. That's so right. It, tur it turns out they, they come with the territory. They did in the mm. book of Acts. There was something they heard and saw. But as Dr. Michael Brown has pointed out before, yes, they thought they were drunk in the spirit. But they didn't then turn around and say, we now have a theology of spirit drunkenness. We're going to cultivate a drunken yes. spirit ministry. We're going to do a advertise events on come and you'll get drunk in the Holy Ghost. The whole point was preaching the resurrected Jesus. That's so right. what I loved about even what Corey was saying then, this is not just Pentecostal feel good. No, I couldn't care less about that. This was about who is the Lord? How does he teach Ugh. us to pray? Bring us into a spirit of prayer. And it just so happens when you draw near to the Lord, we are emotional beings and physical beings that his glory touches us and we respond holistically. But I thought that was a, a beautiful emphasis, even yes. as he's talking about something as controversial as that, that it yes. didn't feel weird no. or hype. You felt reverent. Yes. So good. Now That's tell, exactly. I know we cut you off from your actual takeaway. So no, 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 no. I just, I there. just, we just know pause just for five seconds and hear again what, what John just said. It's not about that. That's why it was so, because I've been, listen, I visited churches in Arkansas where the mama bear intercessor of a Pentecostal church comes over and tells me I'm not spirit filled if I don't pray. So to just underscore what, because I don't pray in tongues or whatever, what Corey shared, it was not that to just again, highlight what, what, what John just said. It was, there was an awe. There was an, oh my goodness, I, if we're going to step in and co be consecrated vessels that carry a spirit of intercession, 
and through weeping and tears and travail can partner with seeing God bring another great awakening, then we're probably going to need to experience and explore new types of praying that can carry the weightiness that God's looking to release on his church. And that's what it was. It was just powerful. So if I may say again, again, everyone's teaching and talk had such powerful implications. A fear of the Lord with, uh, with Luke sharing was breathtaking. But Sam, I told you this in private. In my humble opinion, I've done prayer conferences a lot all over. We've we've all been to events. Yeah. Having that six-hour all-night prayer experience where it was modeling, where there was extended periods in a prayer conference, praying was brilliant. I, I looked at my wife. I had the privilege of we, we left the four kids at home here in California, and she got to come, and I, I even looked at her. And it was like, there was a grace to linger. There was a grace to rest. I mean, not even rest, but to, to press, to be in the presence of God. And I just, hats off to you about just booking that into the, the quote, conference experience. I feel like probably people took more away from that experience than many other things. But any, anyone want to interact with that or that time, how special it was or something else? It is refreshing to go to a prayer event where you pray. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's well, my you know takeaway. It technically wasn't supposed to be six hours. That was Luke Lefevre's fault when he wrecked his, lunch. That was his fault. It, it was going to be four <laughs> hours, but it was just like, hey, if you need to go eat, go eat. But fear of the Lord is here. We're just going to kind of sit here for a moment. Um, yeah. No, and can I, I, I just, do, if, go ahead. And I just want to say we've so we've we've been pressing in here. I know you have pray NYC there. We have altars here. It's what we call them. Same thing. These hour blocks, but. Let me just say this, how the Holy Spirit gave insight to Luke and his peers that are ministering to Gen Z of how to do corporate confession was breathtaking. I mean, we've we've done it at a few altars, not because we're trying to steal a play, it's because God was on it. It was, a, it was a means to the end of giving people an opportunity to rid themselves of their sin in a corporate environment that Many of us, maybe I've been to confession services where you're like, okay, I don't need to know that much detail, but how the wisdom of <laughs> Lord, Lord, you know, like you're making more of your sin than the blood that cleanses you. Yes, and that's, yes, that's yes, not, that's yes, a, yes, that's a misappropriation of confession, but to how Luke led us in that session, Lord Jesus, I repent for one phrase, one sentence and the assembly to say the blood of Jesus cleanses you. I can just say at our altars here over these last few weeks since the altars conference, when when God said, hey, this is a chance to move into that, it's just been a gift. You think about that Psalm 32 reality, unconfessed sin is like cancer on the inside. And how many believers, especially in you know Protestant you know denominations where confession isn't as much a thing per se, but the ability to be in an environment where you can confess and then have the assurance mm, of the blood yes. of Jesus that cleanses. Uh, you guys have any interaction with that? But that was just powerful for me to see that and to hear that's what God's doing in Gen Z all over campuses. Yeah, I think it's important to note the, you know, it's kind of the way I feel about prayer often is that people want to pray. They just need to see it or way to do it. Like how? Mm. You know, Close. and I, I feel that yeah. way about confession as well, because it, it's both sides of the campus that we in the church either A, don't know how to properly do it. We make, we magnify it or B, we on the receiving end, we turn it into a therapy session. You know, I had, a, yes. I had a, one of my like dear friends, I still confess things to and just like, 
have this thing. We had to have a conversation. It's like, hey, dude, when we're confessing to one another, we don't need to have like therapy sessions. I see a therapist. You know, like it's we just need someone. Hey, there's a desire in my heart. I need to bring it to the light. That's all I need to do. And it, it mm-hmm. felt like a beautiful way to model that of, you know, Lord Jesus, I repent of one sentence, one phrase. And like you said, the corporate saying the blood of Jesus cleanses you. Because I really do think the the fear of the Lord is coming like never before. Yes, brother. When I shared this. Um, it feels like there's a, a baptism, but Corey Russell said this to me years ago. It's so helpful that mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit's three favorite chariots to ride in on are number one, the word of God. Number two, adoration of Jesus. And number three, broken hearts. And it gave me language. Luke gave me language or a tool, I think, for yes, broken hearts is repentance. In a, in a, like, I know the tool of word of God. I know the tool of repentance but for the first time. And we're seeing it very similar here. Like public repentance is an all-time high right now. And it was like we almost needed a, a wisdom framework to put that revelation in to house that. I think one, one of the things I loved um, – you know, Evan Roberts was 26 during the Welsh Revival. These people are young that God uses. Donald McPhail, the main intercessor of the Hebrides, could break up in a meeting with 16. And I just love seeing God use young people. I just loved it. I was like a kid in a candy shop. So was I. It was so- I, was, I was like, man, this is amazing. And that's what we need. And uh, I think one of the the challenges, um, you know, I'm, you guys are young, you guys are millennials. I'm Gen X, the the non-existent, I guess I'm Elon Musk's, Elon Musk's generation. Um, Our goal is to hold power as long as possible to build something stable and credible to give to others who will build on it. I mean, that like, that's just how short can you get it in good enough shape? without your brand or fingerprints all over it so that you can get it to somebody else who's ready to go with it. That's acceleration. And uh, that was definitely one of my takeaways and one of my highlights. And now I've heard Luke preach before, so I knew that good things were in store. But I just love that. And then uh, this past Wednesday night, last night, um, our student ministry had a little glory portal, just hearing about students calling on the name of the Lord. That's what we want. We forget how many... Moves have yes. got in history were basically older generations repenting and crying out for a generation that had failed to receive their spiritual inheritance to get it. And uh, I loved seeing that happen live. One of my favorite moments was watching uh, uh, Corey Russell pray for Luke. I was like, just a little generational transfer right there. Just a little, mm-hmm. let me give you what I got. So I love that. It's so powerful. Yeah. I, I came home and, and, uh, Interesting about, you know, uh, there's a lot of talk about Gen Z and there should be in the next generations. And I came home on the, uh, and I had the most, I'm not a dreamer. Now God speaks to us in different ways, pictures, passages, promptings, promises, all the peace. And uh, I had the most vivid dream of my, almost of my life where there was about 3000 young people. Uh, it's kind of like at a summer camp where each each group has a, a team name, a color. Yes. It was like classic yeah, yeah. summer camp in my dream. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, but they're all coming and they're all they all have different look and different color and different banner. But it was again so vivid. They they merged into a mighty river. And on their lips, there was no worship leader. 
on their lips was that little song, God helped us write, that I will build a house for you. I won't rest till you rest. I heard it at such a decibel level. They were. Uh, it was this massive move of the next generation with a value. That's Psalm 132. I won't rest until, God, you have a resting place. And I'm telling you, having Luke come and share as a, as a next-gen leader and voice, as a this-gen leader and voice, I'm just saying as an almost 40-year-old who's like trying to, you know, I'm like, I am feel old, but I'm not. But it just gave me a vision and like a fulcrum, uh, like a something to like grab a hold on an intercession to just see God move. And I just, like you, John, I was like a kid in the candy store. I was we just weeping, so happy. And uh, instead of like, well, it's my moment, it's my, I, all it did was just put a huge yes in my heart. How can I get behind? How can I, how can I intercede? and believe for God to continue to raise up voices and leaders in the yeah. next generation. So anyone else have a, a takeaway or two, and then we'll, uh, well, I think the takeaway is this, Chad, you mentioned this, uh, you know, when we release the talks or if we're going to release the talks the answer that is we're not I hate to tell mm -hmm. you that, uh, for a mm -hmm. few reasons. Number one, we put a tremendous value on being in the room. Mm -hmm. You can hear the content, mm -hmm. but it's the presence of God in the room that you just need mm -hmm. to sense and feel in a tangible way. Um, secondly, we want speakers, it's, it's, you know, so hard, not, we always need to be aware and have the fear of God of what we say, but these days it's, it feels like you rarely get a vulnerable space to just share freely. Yeah. Yes. John talked about several, you know, scandals happening in the church. So we just, you know, it's, we're not trying to like belittle, but it's like, Hey, look, can we just have a real honest conversation? And it's easier to do that when you're not worried about streaming online or, you know, yes. some, some yeah. critic catching a 30 second clip of something out of context. And so just want to share that. Hey, uh, if you want to hear the talks, be in the room next year. Um, we mm -hmm. just want to have a premium for what God is doing in the room and also a space and place for speakers. Mm -hmm. And those are on stage having a, you know, we're always under the fear of the Lord for sure, but having just that you know space where we can just like kind of open up in a, in a unique way. It's hard to find those these days. We have a value for that. So I just so want to say next year, signups are coming up soon. Altars 2025, we've got, it's going to be happening on January 30th, the 31st and February 1st of 2025. So we'll be sending out early bird signups soon and very soon. We're actually one shift this year as we'll be doing a Thursday night, like prayer worship set to kick it off. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of people are getting in town, you know, so Thursday night about 7 PM, we'll be kicking it off all day, Friday, all day, Saturday. And it's going to be incredible. So can good. I just say one other thing that's not, not connected to us just while we're here. Um, this summer, they are hosting a Hebrides Revival Conference <laughs> in oh, the oh, Hebrides, oh. where the last truly great outpouring of the Spirit happened in the West, manifest presence of God, tangible zones of glory for years in uh, the Hebrides. And um, we're going over there. So there's a Hebrides Revival Conference. See mm. if you can stay in the castle you just have to google what that is in stornoway and uh i have the privilege of a lifetime of preaching at that conference Man. and pastor tommy and donna and kenny are going to be preaching at that too they pastor there the pastor tommy was the pastor for many years of the remaining remnants of the hebrides revival they're in their 80s and 90s and they were teenagers when it happened and um so i'm taking my senior leadership team there we're all going over we've got friends from the uk coming in so if you just want to get over to one of the most beautiful places in the world 
and join us to drink from that well, which is leaking revival water again. Mm-hmm. We would love Ooh. to have you join us. Everybody's revivalconference.com. Look it up. Well, guys, thank guys and gals, thank you so much for joining us for this bonus altars recap 2024 episode. Uh, be looking out over the next uh season season three will be dropping we haven't chosen a date but be, keep looking back and again thank you so much for trusting us and letting us be voices that encourage and provoke you to reach for the more that jesus is longing to pour out on his people and through his people to our cities and the nations of the earth bless you we'll see you next time 